Let's open our Bible, please, and book of Romans, chapter 13, from verse 8 to 14. Romans 13, verses 8 to 14. Are you ready? Please, we stand up, please. I will read. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in the saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray. Our loving Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for this time that I can preach your word. And Lord, uh, may you speak through me, Lord, that your word will be will penetrate the hearts and minds of these uh, people, Lord. And Lord, uh, I pray that you uh, may the Holy Spirit will have a free course in every heart tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, please be seated. <clears throat> you know, the, I would like to give you the summary of this passage and. Uh, Romans 13, 8 to 14. Uh, actually, there are only two here, <coughs> which are, we are to pay our debts and love our neighbors. That is in verses 8 to 10. And we are to live in lights of Christ's eminent return. In verses 11 to 14. Uh, that's why we need to wake up and get serious. And we are to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We are to do only what you would not be ashamed for Christ to see you doing, in verse 13. Not walking in partying and drunkenness, not walking in sexual immorality and sinful debauchery, not, strife, not walking in strife, division, fighting, arguing, and jealousy. Put on Christ and never give yourself opportunities to sin. Never put yourself in any situation where you know you will be tempted to sin. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof. But tonight I will focus on verses 8 to 10. Which is the key to obedience is love. The key to obedience is love. And love fulfills the law. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Bible says, And now, abided faith, hope, charity, 
these three, but the greatest of this is charity or love. Now, what is faith? What is hope? And what is love? I just want to give you the simple uh, uh, meaning. To believe that Christ will return, that is faith. To expect to meet him, that is hope. And to invite another to meet him, that is love. Just it's the simple thing, you know. Uh, it's like uh, saying a simple thing. What is the difference between uh, recession and depression? Recession is when you lost, when your neighbor lost his job. And depression is when you lost your job. <laughs> it's not funny, huh? Eh? <laughs> Anyway, one of the results of justification and one of the results of uh, salvation and one of the results of being made right with God is a new and unique relationship to society. And that is a relationship of love. Amen? Do you agree with that? Jesus said in John 13, verse 34, He said, I a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. The, the, the distinguishing mark then of a Christian is love. It is love that fulfills the law. Now, there are three features of Christian love here. The death of love, or we owe love, and the discharge of love, and the design of love. Now, let's begin with the debt of love. It means we owe love. Verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love love one another. Owe no man anything. It, you know, it is a bridge from the prior section on verses 6 and 7. And it's been talking about paying your taxes in Romans 13, which you owe the government. And you are to pay your taxes, right? Because that is a debt. And owe, man, owe no man anything but love. You know, in other words, pay all your debts. And the one debt you'll always pay and never really paid is the debt of love. Now, this doesn't mean that Christians cannot have a debt. It means that they must pay the debt they have. It is not forbidding us to borrow. It is only obligate, obligates us to pay back. In Psalm 37, 37 verse 21, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous heweth mercy and giveth. So the wicked borrows and does not pay back. And the wickedness come not in the borrowing, but in the failure to repay. And we should pay your debts when they are due. So as Christian, you must avoid useless expense. This is a principle we need to follow. And be careful not to contract any debts. You have not the power to discharge. You are also to stand aloof from all venturesome speculations. 
and rash engagement and whatever may expose you to the danger of not rendering to all their due. And do not spend on yourselves which you owe to others. Now, we owe love. And that is the debt of love. And it is possible to pay that debt because we have a new capacity. You know, we are Christians. We are a new creature. Amen? Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Philippians 4.13, it says there, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And John 15.5, without me, you can do nothing. So, in other words, God has poured into your hearts a capacity to love. Romans 5 verse 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Do you agree with that? In your hearts. And you have been given the capability of love in your salvation. And so you draw on that new capacity to, to love. But you know, the unsaved, the Bible says, he calls him the natural man. The natural man or the unsaved or the unbelievers has no new capacity to love. In second and first Corinthians two verse fourteen it says the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, an unsaved man, the Bible calls him the natural man. You know, he was born in natural world, he has he is blind to spiritual world. And also, he is bound to material world. That's the state of an unsaved person, you know. He is not activated by the Spirit of God, not indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The things of the Spirit of God are foolishness unto him, the Bible says. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Discernment is meaning to perceive or recognize. Now, that is your indebtedness. What you owe, you are to love others. Amen? And that capacity is planted in the heart of every Christian. And a Christian who does not demonstrate love is one who is not drawing on that capacity God has given him. Now, I will go to the second point we want to note is the discharge of love which is based upon a new command. The discharge of love in verses 9 and 10 of Romans 13, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any, any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in the saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love Worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if we as Christians say, how can I feel the law of God? How can I keep all God's law? The answer is in love. Love is the fulfilling of the law. So the key to obeying the law is love. 
if you're loved, you're, go- you're going to obey the law. It's simple, folks, right? That's, thou shall not commit adultery. You will not do it to, if you love somebody. By the way, adultery includes also fornication. It's a sexual act outside of marriage, right? And you hear a couple say, you know, well, we committed adultery or fornication because we love each others too much. And the, and the reply to that is, no, you committed fornication because you love each other too little. Because love doesn't defile. See? Love doesn't steal purity. Love doesn't rob holiness. Love doesn't do that. Lust does that. And selfishness does that. You never commit adultery or fornication because you love too much. You do that because you love too little. Okay? And the same thing in regard to killing. Thou shalt not kill. Now if you love someone, you will not, you will not kill anybody. Now thou shalt not steal. I'm not going to take what it belongs to someone if I love that someone. Nor I'm going to covet what they have if I love them. So love is not to replace the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen? Do you now understand how God's law can be fulfilled? By love. You do not kill because you don't want to get caught or you want to appear religious. But you do not kill because you love the person. In other words, the keeping of the commandments flows from the heart of love. You could obey the law out of fear. And men may be afraid of God's punishment. They may be afraid of God's judgment. And so to obey the law out of fear, you know, you don't really obey the law because of fear. It's not the basic motive. For obedience. There are other people who keep the law out of self-interest. They do it because they think they'll get something out of it. There are those people who want to live a moral life because they feel that God will owe them something. And they'll get repaid for it. But that itself is not a pure motive. That is the motive of selfishness. It may restrain you. It may assist you in doing something good outwardly, but the true intention of the law is to cultivate love from the heart. That is how the law is really fulfilled. In Matthew 22, the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know, when you read Exodus chapter 20, where Moses was given the Ten Commandments, you can open there if you want, if you don't know yet the Ten Commandments. In, in verse 3, it says there, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What is meant by that? You know, love is loyal. 
You know, when it comes to love, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It means love is loyal. Amen? Love it is true. It is not fickle. It is single-minded. It doesn't have other gods when you love God, you know. The true and true love toward God will mean that there's no love for other, for other deity, right? Because it is loyal. And if you really love God, you'll be loyal to God. Amen? And secondly, love is faithful. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness in the th- of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and shewing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So, here we learn that love is faithful. It is loyal, single-minded, true, not fickle, and it is faithful. It keeps its promise, and it's devoted to its object. It obeys. This is, this is just another dimension of love. So it is faithful. Love is loyal. Love is faithful. And thirdly, love is reverent. And one of the commandments, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that take his name in vain. So if you love God, will you curse him? Will you curse his name? If you love God, will you be unfaithful to His word? If you love God, will you be disloyal to Him and follow another deity? Of course not. If you love God. Therefore, the summary of those three is love. They are simply ways to demonstrate love. And then finally, in reference to God, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but in the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So what God is saying here, love sets apart itself for pure, undefiled, uncompromising devotion and worship. We could say love is holy. Amen? So every Sunday we meet here to worship God. Amen? So love recognizes the place of God. Love sets apart itself for devotion and worship. So if you say you love God, you're going to worship God. Amen? If you say you love God, you're going to serve God and keep His commandments. If you say you love God, you're going to be faithful to all of His word. You're going to be reverent. 
to His name, you're going to be loyal to Him as your only God. Do you love God? And Matthew 22 again. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hung all the law and the prophets. You know, I repeat it again, but now listen to me. If I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind, I am... Am I going to have to worry about these laws? Not really. Because if I love him like that, I would not, I would never have any other God. I would never make any grieving image. I would always obey him. I would not, I would never take his name in vain. And I'd always remember that he is a holy God who is to be worshipped. So, Love fulfills the law. Amen? Love fulfills the law. Now the remaining six commandments are the ones they speak about love toward men. Verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which is the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now it, it is not an, now is not that an expression of love when we honor our father and mother? If you love your father and mother, are you going to honor them? Of course, right? So we could say love is respectful. It bows to authority. It respects those who are worthy of respect. And verse 13, thou shalt not kill. Of course not, because love is protective. Love doesn't slaughter. Love protects. So every life it believes every life is sacred. Every one created in the image of God. And thou shalt not commit adultery, says love is pure. Love doesn't defile other people. Love leads to exalt what is holy and pure and good and virtuous. Thou shalt not stay. Love, thou shalt not steal. Love is unselfish. It doesn't take what belongs to someone else. It gives rather than takes. Love is truthful. It doesn't bear false witness against thy neighbor. Doesn't lie. Doesn't give false testimony. And love is content. It doesn't covet thy neighbor's wife or covet thy neighbor's house or his manservant, maidservant, ox, ass, ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. Do you see the point? Love fulfills the whole law. And the second half fulfills the second part of that great law. Love thy neighbor as thyself. What is God saying in the Ten Commandments? There are only two things God is saying in the Two Commandments. In the Ten Commandments. Love God and love men. That's simple. See? Love God because, you know... God love me, you know, because he's God. And then love men, because men are created in the image of God. Okay? So that is just, you know, the Bible says hang on the two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. It's right there. You see? 
Sometimes we look at the Bible, I mean, especially when you have a thick Bible, you wonder, you know, this is so thick. How can I keep the whole thing? You know? How can I know the rules? All the rules are. It's very simple. Love God, love men, and do what you want. You say, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, that's exactly what it means. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbors as yourself. And just go and do what you want. And believe me, if you're living in these conditions, what you want will be what God wants. Amen? There's a verse in the Bible in 1 John 4.20. It says, if a, man, if a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So if you have hatred or bitterness against your brother or sister, you better beware. You don't love God. Love God first. Amen? Because when you love God, that love to God will flow from you to others. Because you, it's God who will work in you how to love the unlovely. You know, I remember when I was in the Philippines, I, I worked there before. And there's a guy who came to our office and nobody wants to talk to him or attend to him. Because, you know, his appearance is like, uh, you know, scary. Because his body is full of scales. Full of scales, like fish, you know, with scales. But uh, he went to me, I talked to him, and he said, you know, when I entered the office, nobody looks at me. Nobody wants to talk to me. So I asked him what he wants, and I helped him. But uh, you see, people, when they don't like you or even your appearance, they will not talk to you. You know, we should love not only by appearance, but by with all our heart. Amen? So, now you ask, how can I love my neighbor as myself? How can I do that? You know, if there's anything basic in life, listen to this, you take care of you, right? First, you take care of you more than you take care of anybody else. Amen? It's similar to Philippians chapter 2, which it says, when Paul says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. So be as concerned about the comfort, the happiness, and the peace, and the joy of others as you are about your own, which is taken for granted. Listen, I mean, whose face do you wash in the morning? Whose, comb, whose hair do you comb? Whose wardrobe do you buy? And whose comfort are you concerned of? 
Well, in the same way that you have instinct towards self-preservation and self-comfort, you ought to treat others the same way. Amen? With the same sincerity that thou lovest thyself. Though not in the same measure or degree. Amen? So, that's how the golden golden rule is built. Do you know where's the golden rule in the Bible? Anybody? In Matthew 7.12. Thank you, Brother Tim. Matthew 7.12. Some Christian doesn't know where's the golden rule in the Bible. I will read this. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law, for this is the law and the prophets. You see? It gives him again, this is the law and the prophets. That's the golden rule. Love God, love men. Love is a living, active principle of obedience to the whole law. So let us not only avoid injuries to the persons, connection, or the property and characters of men, but do no kind or degree of evil to any man. And study to be useful in your station of life, in every station of life. And pay as much attention to them as you do to yourself, so that you're always loving You say, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Anybody who come across to your path is your neighbor. And you say, well, that's hard to do. I told you, we have a new capacity to love. Amen? If you're a Christian, you have a new capacity to love if you're saved. The love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts. So you have the new capacity to love. There is no hard thing in that. Now if you want to know how love acts, just read 1 Corinthians 13. It's all there. 1 Corinthians 13. It's all, everything is there. It's all right there. Now, and the discharge of love is simply Toward your neighbor. Toward your neighbor. That is, anybody who come across your path ought to feel your love. And that love means you will, and that love means that you will fulfill the law. You never do that. You never do to that neighbor anything harmful. If you love. Amen? And the, uh, the end of verse 8, it says, For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And in verse 10, Therefore, it says there, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Okay? Love is the fulfilling, the fulfillment of the law. So love gives to the law the full measure of its fulfillment. And to fill it up, it has to come from love that is in you. 
Love that can be a reality because of the works of Jesus Christ. And I believe in Matthew 5.17 that Jesus came not, when Jesus said here that Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He came not to destroy, but to fulfill. So we are called to love. And if we love, we fulfill the whole law. And that is our unique relationship to society as Christians. Now, you know when you study Romans, the book of Romans, from chapter 3 to the end of chapter 11, everything there is is about salvation and redemption. Now that we are redeemed, we come into chapter 12 when we see the results. First, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, and then we are not to, we are to conform to the we are not conform to the world, and then we begin to use our gifts, and then we begin to demonstrate certain virtues to the church and to the world around us. And then in chapter thirteen, as regards the government, we submit ourselves and pay our taxes. And then as regards our relation to all society, we are characterized by love. You know, uh, Romans 12 and 13, you need to memorize this. It's good. You know, I memorized those two chapters, 12 and 13. Uh, you know, uh, Romans 12 is about our Christian responsibility. And our ch- Romans 13 is about obeying government and also about morality. So it's a good uh, chapter to memorize. John 13, verses 34 to 35. Jesus said, This is the new commandment I write unto you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. You see? Love is the fulfilling of the whole law. Whole law. It is a comprehensive grace that includes everything there is in terms of Christian living, Attitude, speech, and action. And John 15:12, the Bible says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So our love should be the same love that Jesus has loved us. That is our standard, you know. Do you know who is our greatest example of love? Lord Jesus Christ himself. His love is the model. His love was fully sacrificial. And John 15:13, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave himself even to those who refused the gift. He gave himself to those who disdained it or who mocked it and who were ungrateful. But he was loved. And love has to give. And may we learn to give. Not because we want to get, because we want to gain prestige or favor from men. Not because we want to appear religious, but to give because we are filled with love. Amen? It is possible to fulfill the law. And the only way is through love. And so Paul is saying here, that should be your relationship to everyone around you. 
we owe the debt, and the debt we owe is love. And it's possible because we have a new capacity as believers, as saved to love. We have been given a new command, and the new command is that we in fact do it. The design of love is that we may fulfill the law of God. That's the design. And First John 14, 4, verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. Have you heard that? God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. What could never be done through the law can be done through love provided in us by salvation, which is the work of the Spirit of God. In First uh, John 3, verse 1, the, verse, uh, the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we shall be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. You know, there are may, some people who think that Christians are strange, Right? Because they do not know God. In the Philippines, there's a guy there in Iloilo who is preaching in his tricycle. But that guy, you know, he doesn't dress up well, so he just drives his tricycle around the city or stay in one corner and preach the salvation. And some people think he's crazy. But one man got saved and he told me, you know, that guy, Periong, uh, before I called him crazy. He's a fool. But you know, I know that he is preaching the word of God. You see, some people think Christians are crazy. Because they do not know God. That we are strange, you know. Now, <clears throat> this is the important thing. Why in the world, you know, God is supposed to love us? But look at our world. Why is there so much disease and poverty and war and racism, you know, and hate, loneliness, boredom, unemployment, psychological problems, AIDS, Racism, murders, drugs, divorce, suicide. You know, all these things are in our TV screens and in the internets around us, in our community. It seems that in spite of wealth, technology, in spite of education, something is wrong. And millions of people are crying, where is God? Where is God? There are many problems in the family, divorce and tension, difficulties and problems in the home or at work, among teenagers, there are lots of shooting of innocent people, it's in the increase, suicide is in the increase, and drugs is in the increase, mental illness is in the increase. Where is God? Why does God why does a God of love allow all of this? The Bible says, 
The Bible has the answer. For all have sinned. Amen? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have failed God. We have sinned. You know, when God created man and a woman, you know, He created them to glorify Himself. And He gave a man and a woman a gift. What is that gift? The gift of free moral choice. Man and woman could love God. They could obey God. And they could do what God says. Or they could reject God. It's their choice. Then God said, All the fruits in the world you can eat. But there is only one tree that I don't want you to eat. The fruit thereof. If you do, you will suffer and die. Then there came a garden, a serpent or a snake. A snake which was energized by the evil force. Which is called the devil. Devil. Yes, do you believe there is a devil? He is the force of evil in the world. We see evil everywhere. It invades our communities. It invades our homes. It invades our hearts. The scripture says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. But the servant, the serpent beguiled Eve, and she challenged her with a question. And Eve took it, and she gave Adam the fruit of the tree. What happened? They blame each other. They blame the serpent. They blame everything but themselves. Adam and Eve broke the bond between God and man. They disobeyed God. From that moment on, we have been disobeying God. You see? It breaks out into... And that disobedience is a disease. This is called S-I-N, sin. You know, sin is worse than cancer. It is worse than a heart disease. It is worse than anything we can think of. And that sin, it breaks out in hate and greed, and lust, and immorality, and racism. And all of this came from the disease that we have inside ourselves. Jeremiah 79, the Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, the sin is in every heart. In every life, in every family. The Bible says, sin is the transgression of the law. And the wages of sin is death. That means spiritual death and separation from God. Now, 
But God is a God of judgment. God will judge the world. God will judge you and me. And also God is love. I told you God is love. And 1 John 4, verse 10 to 11, verses 10 to 11, the Bible says, Herein is love. You know, love is a nice word, but it's a messy word, you know, sometimes. Herein is love, that we, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or covering for our sins. You know, propitiation is a big word. But the meaning of propitiation, it is the satisfaction of the, the demands of justice that sin must be punished because God is holy. That's why Jesus Christ is died for our sin. See? He is our substitute in order to satisfy the, the demand of justice that sin must be punished. So he bore our sin. And 1 Corinthians 15 verse 21 to 22, the Bible says here, For sins by man, for sins, or in the beginning, by man came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. See? So, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen? The Bible says, God loves you, despite your background. However bad you have been, However, you have neglected your neighbor's needs and hurts. You don't love your neighbor. God loves you with an everlasting love. And God is unchanging. God is holy and righteous. And if you are not saved, if you have not been born again, God wants you to repent. You must repent of your sin. The Bible says, except you repent you shall all likewise perish. And you must have faith in God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you must believe. The Bible says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Is there an empty place in your heart? Is there a doubt that you're ready to meet God? You can settle that today by receiving Him into your heart. John 1.12 But as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. In our invitation song, if you want to come or pray, please come. If you want to ask God to help you love your neighbor or love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, please come and pray. You know, just take a first step and come. Even little child knows the word come, you know. So, we will end, I will end this now and in, during our song, please come and pray. If you want to, to be saved, please come also. Let's pray.